Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Craft of the Drafts podcast. Another week of talent lead got done and dusted. And as usual, I'm one of your co hosts, Nathan Seppi, joined by my other co host, John T. Ralph Smith. John T., a lot of boys this week to recap. How was your weekend footy? Yeah, really good. Between us, we saw all bar one of the matches. So we'll be able to give really detailed overviews. And I guess we'll start with the Oakley Eastern game. We're both at this one. And Eastern, ultimately, too good for Oakley. Oakley probably couldn't make good of the win the same way that the Rangers were able to and probably just had a few more contributors across the board. But a couple of players that really stood out from my end was Christian Moraes coming off a 43 disposal game, was able to back that up, showed his burst away. And I think if you look past his size, I think he's a real prospect for Eastern next year to think they're going to have him. Josh Smiley, who got injured during the game, and also hard nut Cody Anderson in that midfield is really exciting. Cody Anderson went all right. Tyson Trook had a run through the midfield, and I really liked Caleb Windsor's game, 23 and a goal, so carrying on that championship's form. They were, they were some that impressed, and Cooper Trembath down back. He's intercepting game is back, so 17 marks in the last two weeks, and a lot of those have been sort of contested and intercepts. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll list off some of the Oakley boys that, that played well. Jagger Smith, Tom Gross, two of the bottom majors. I mean, mm-hmm. they've been phenomenal, and they are they are lifting this Oakley team at the moment. Kynan Brown with 30 touches. Pretty dominant performance from him, 10 tackles, which was quite impressive, and it probably wasn't really noticeable until afterwards. We sort of said, geez, he didn't know he had that many. Uh, one I think worth talking about, Riley Weatherall from the Eastern Rangers, who his champs only got to play. Did He, he played the one game one, in the end. Yeah. And didn't have a lot of impact, and he's has to have a pretty big end to the season for Eastern, probably to give himself the best shot. He Did he do enough? That's, that's my question to you, and there's this, this conversation. He... Got his hands on the footy when he needed to, took a few good contested marks and hit the scoreboard, was a little inaccurate. I think he was two, three, something around that mark. So he was there, there and thereabouts. What was your reflection of his performance? Yeah, well, I think everything I've heard is he needs to be taking those contested marks and people want to see him be a bit more assertive overhead, be a bit more aggressive and be that man that can be the target up forward. In the in the last month or so of the season, if he's gonna if he's gonna get drafted, and I think he did that enough. He's obviously coming off a four goal performance as well, so he's getting those scoring shots consistently, or he has done in the last fortnight. So just be about carrying that on, I guess. He he would have liked to convert because obviously uh, he would have had six or seven marks. A six or seven mark game and four goal game looks a lot better than six marks and two two. So yeah, but no, I I, I it's it's as well as I've seen him play. I will say yeah. that having not seen the four goal game last week. So. Yeah, well, it was. It was pretty, yeah, it was, it was good, you know, good performance to maintain sort of where he's at. And it was impressive. But, yeah, it was pretty Eastern, really. They Oakley got in front, actually. They were in, fr- in front by about four goals in that first quarter, took the advantage, and then Eastern pretty much got a run on from there. I think they kicked seven unanswered, and it was pretty much on Eastern's terms for the rest of it. Uh, I'm interested to see how Oakley go for the rest of the season. They've got a, They've got a base there. It's probably yep. just after your top six or seven. It's what what's left and how can they stand up. So be interesting yeah. to see how um, Oakley go for the rest of the year and Eastern, good performance to build on. They've been very hit or miss this year. Uh, we'll move to Northern GWV. Northern 9-256, GWV 13-18-96. So 11-31 scoring shots. Probably tells the story in the end and, and the Rebels just got a big hand on it. They won the contested footy and it was Rebels were, oh, sorry, Northern were up by, I think, a point as well in the 
third quarter. So they actually got ahead and then Rebels stormed home. In that last quarter, from a northern perspective, Christian Ferranato is continuing his consistency with 35 touches, seven tackles, and seven inside 50s. And it's a matter of now just working on his transition and his movement going inside 50. So it was another impressive performance. It's just keeping his name on the map. Nate Caddy, four goals, a slow start, but works himself into it. We know how impressive he can be. Uh, Zach Johnson, bottom major. We know how good he's been in recent weeks. He'll be really impressive to watch and exciting to watch. 28 touches, four inside 50s and six rebound 50s. Um, from a Rebels performance, it's uh, it's starting to click at the right time for a lot of these boys. Harry Lawson, uh, defender, it's his, one of his first couple of games, but he's finding his feet now. 10 rebound 50s was probably his best game of the year. Kai Jess around the middle of the ground was really impressive. 21 touches, nine tackles and five inside 50s. George Stevens doing the usual in the middle. Uh, Reese Unwin and Jonty Fall up forward have just really hit this. Like they're, they're going full on now and they've hit a really good patch of form. Reese Unwin with four goals. He's kicked two, three and four goals in the last three weeks. And the last two weeks against Geelong and Northern, the week before against Murray. And really positive from a GWV perspective that they're not relying on Lockie Charleston to hit the scoreboard in order to be competitive. We know that he is that damaging small forward who can go into the midfield, but they are getting other other sources to go. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of Lockie Charleston, his brother Harry Charleston and Ollie Hannaford, they were great as running backs in the end for the Rebels and, have, you know, again, just hitting a really good patch of form and they actually sit now the rebels they sit from memory in second in the country conference and third in in total so they're in uh, we don't know what final series it will be now but if it was the full final series like normal they'd be straight in a final spot so very good patch of form uh, another game of mine gippsland 16 12 108 defeated bendigo 66 42 um yeah it was all bend uh, sorry it was all gippsland for most of the day it was the, Durs, the Zane Dersma show really was six goals. He played it on Dan Urader, which we've heard a little bit about, and Dan just couldn't get that front position on him and took three contested marks in the end, Dersma, and kicked all of those goals and a few from free kicks, but like it was just a dominant performance. Uh, what I'd like to talk about, and we saw a little bit of him against the Rebels, I think a, you know, a couple of months back, was Ricky Mentha. He's a bottom major. He played, at the, played in the NT Academy at the start of the year and now he's moved uh, down to Vic and he's playing for the power. He was just really impressive. I thought it was his impact per possession. He had seven touches, but he kicked three goals and two inside 50. So that's um, five out of seven touches did something in the end in terms of effectiveness. And he was just really fun to watch, just really good flair around the stoppage. He's just He has that bounce on him that any small forward you'd love to see. And I think he kicked two goals from just great snaps and got the crowd up and going. He was fantastic to watch. Xavier Lindsay, really impressive, 28 touches. Uh, Willem Dersma, it's his second game at Talent League level now, and it was um, fun to watch him at that level. And he seemed like he fit in perfectly, to be quite honest. It was like he just translated that form straight in. Just really, He had a really good rundown tackle to win holding the ball. Really good intercept marking. Didn't have a heap of it, but when he got around the footy, he was pretty effective with it. And then Lockie Smith, the last skippy boy I want to talk about, he was really dominant in the ruck. A really good run and carry for a ruckman. Like, that's something I've noticed with his game. He'll get it and he's composed. Like, he's not get it, kick it, and look forward. He was just really good. And there was a passage in the last quarter where he he burst along the, the pocket of the inside 50 and laced it out to a forward on like a uh, 
He's had a 45 degree angle, pretty much like a tough kick that a ruckman should never be kicking. So and, he's impressive. And I know that's something that the Gippy Power have been really high on. They think that his ability to become that extra midfielder when the ball is in general play is something that gives him a real point of difference. We've seen him in ruck contests in re- recent weeks against the likes of Will Green. And, and, you know, he's come up as the player who's gone better just from a tap point of view, but also the ability to get it done around the ground and his combativeness and his ability to play his size and really assert himself with that physicality that he has. We know how big he is, has been an area that they've been really pleased to see. So, yeah, uh, it's good to see him continuing on that form. And, and I guess another one, Will Dawson yeah. down back, just continuing on the big yeah. country with his read of the play so they were also very pleased with how he went and Job Scape and the Bartram medalist from Vic Country making his debut didn't get a whole lot of game time played on the wing but yeah good to see him in action and no doubt he'll be better for the run from a Bendigo yeah, perspective yeah. a difficult day for them but who were the ones that stood out you were obviously at Shepley yeah it was a bit of a def- difficult day for Bendigo they just couldn't get things on their terms Oscar Smart was pretty good in the end like it was you know his usual tackling pressure that was lifting him but it was a few of his kicks in, into the corridor and those switch kicks that I thought were really impressive probably an element of it of his game that hasn't been on show as much and I, I thought they were just little good moments and then Ollie Poole uh, he was effective in the end two goals and 19 touches three inside 50s he was just good in transition but a tougher, tougher day for Bendigo. And probably the last one that I've, I've linked with that I talked about in the first quarter, that I, that kicked two goals, If I, it's it's blanked my mind. But forward, Charlie... Uh, Charlie Hillier. Charlie Hillier, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, he did kick two goals in the first quarter. He was pretty lively. Shame he probably didn't continue that into the last three quarters, but there was a bit of a spark there from him, and he was really effective going inside 50 really tough at the contest and kicked really two fantastic goals so that was uh yeah that was the recap from that that game see what comes of charlie hillier there was a little bit of talk about him in pre-season and it was a game i was down at a pracky game that bendigo played in essendon and it was the last 30 seconds of that game where he did his ankle and that stalled his start to the season hasn't obviously been able to get the continuity but yeah interesting to see if he persists with it and hopefully does become one because he does look like he could become a good state league footballer if he wants to make the move down to Melbourne at the very least. Uh, we'll move on to the Western and Geelong game, though. And Geelong blitzed this one. They they were far too good for Western. 17-14-116 to Western 9-9-63. Somehow that doesn't even feel like it does justice to how how supreme Geelong were on the day and it was the Michael Rudd show I guess you could say 23 disposals 10 marks and two goals two for the Geelong Falcon skipper two goals two it felt like he kicked a bit more than that he was taking marks for fun up forward and was an absolute nightmare for the Western defenders they had no way of stopping him and the delivery was pretty good Mel White was one in the midfield who really stood out for me he was really clean and able to make composed decisions when he had the footy And Tobin Murray, we know how good he's been on a wing and his work rate's really impressive. He got to go as an inside midfielder and that work rate shone through again. He was able to have plenty of the footy. Pat Hughes played inside 50, kicked three goals, three in his his marking as well was something that came to the fore. But the player who probably had a breakout game more than anyone, as much as those players were all strong, we know what they can do from their form throughout the season. Zakiah Davey, though, is one who we haven't seen as much of, and his three goals, 15 disposals and eight marks were a real point of difference for Geelong up forward, a medium forward, a smart forward, who 
doesn't necessarily have the athletic profile of some others, doesn't have the height, but he does have the footy IQ, gets himself into really dangerous spots. So I was really impressed with what I saw from him. From a Western perspective, it was a difficult day, but I think it was just your your normal players that stood out, being Logan Morrison, Jake Smith. Jake Smith, particularly in the first quarter when Western was probably most competitive, he was the one who was really turbocharging that from the midfield. He probably had half his touches in that first quarter. So it's probably for him a matter of getting the ball on his boot a little bit more because he's their best ball user in the team, just wasn't able to necessarily get it on his boot as much. And Logan Morris, 10 disposals and three goals won. Anytime Western go forward, it feels like he needs to be involved if they're going to score a goal. He's so important to what they do up there. But yeah, difficult, difficult little period for Western. They've had a poor couple of weeks, but some green shoots in that Tom Burton is expected to play at least one of the last two games. Obviously, we saw what he could do in the under-16s. He impressed yeah. both us at Trevor Barker Ovals. So hopefully he can come in and, and get a good run. But, yeah, not not going to plan to end the season for the Western Jets. And Lockie MacArthur, I guess, another one who, who went all right after taking 10 marks previous week and I'm told he's getting a little bit of draft interest which is good from a Jets perspective to have someone else there or thereabouts in that in that range he'll be looking to finish off the season strongly after some strong school footy for pegs but we'll move on to a much more enthralling game this one Murray 11 975 to quarter 10 14 74 Nathan this was at Wangaratta you watched it tell us about the game and yeah how were Murray able to win that yeah well enthralling it was like Come the last quarter, it was just a very intense game to watch, but it didn't ever feel intense until the last couple of minutes. Colder on top, I would have to say at least 90, 80%. That's a, probably a fair fair percentage in the end. And they were up for at least – they always had that three or four goal buffer, but it was a comfortable three or four goal buffer, and, and it was never really being chipped away at. And then in the last quarter, Murray, I think they were down by as much as five goals at one point. They just – Kept kicking, like, just enough to keep them in it. And it was felt like it was behind, behind, behind in terms of each team going down their end and missing. Uh, then there was an injury to Calder where there was a stretcher involved, which best wishes to that player. And I feel like that did turn the momentum a bit. And from a viewer perspective, I had no, I had no idea how much time was left because obviously uh, if you watch on the stream, the clock keeps ticking up, but the actual clock at the ground stops for an injury. And then it was Darcy Wilson who kicked a goal to put him down by five points with, I think, about... Well, it's hard to say how long there was left because I wasn't too sure, but it was around 90 seconds left. Then Murray just got it forward and Jesse Hart on the siren. So it wasn't the siren went and he kicked it. It was he kicked it from... It was a big kick, 50 metres. If you haven't seen the footage... It, it is out there on baseline. It, it, it's a massive kick, and the siren goes as the ball goes through. Murray got up by a point. So it was, yeah, colder. That, it's, it is a bit of an issue now. Like, they have surrendered a few big leads. We saw it against Sandy a couple of weeks ago where they are up by around 29 and weren't able to hold that on. So it's an issue they've got time to fix before the end of the season. But from a colder perspective... Croft and Kako, three goals for Croft, pretty impressive. And he, and he did really well on Connor O'Sullivan in that first half, caused him a lot of issues, just got front position really well. And that was what enabled him to get his hands on the footy. And Kako was just as electric as he could be. Four, like, four really good goals as well from deep in the pocket on one on the halftime siren, just set shot a really nice kick from a really tight angle. And he was really impressive. Probably one of the best games he's played all year. 
Uh, one of your favourites, Hugo Garcia, played a pretty good game in the end, 25 touches, four inside 50s, and got on the scoreboard twice, was just really strong in the contest inside 50, was able to break out of the tackles. And then Damien Holloway, 21 touches, he's been continuing his good form, seven inside 50s and two rebound 50s. Really good burst out of the centre stoppages and his speed through the corridor was something that stood out. From a Murray perspective, one of my favourites to watch, Darcy Wilson, was good as usual, 35 touches and a goal, and probably did a bit too much with it at some times, actually, which I thought stood out. Um, that was just a bit of a negative of, negative of his game, but he was he was usually 90% on good as he usually is. And then Kobe James through the middle, 23 touches, and he got on the scoreboard in the end. He just generates that run and carry through the middle. He's so, such a reliable runner to move you in transition. I mean, Conor O'Sullivan, like I said, he had a really tough first half. He just couldn't get that front position on his on Jordan Croft. But then in the second half, sort of changed a bit and moved around, got front position, and he was really good, taking a few intercept marks, five rebound 50s. And then Jesse Hart, like I said, that winning goal, you have to mention that. So a, a big a big win for Murray. It's just good to generate a, get a win towards the end of the season and build on something because... Every team makes finals, but you don't want to go in with not a lot of confidence. And before we move to the next bit, I'll just quickly run through the ladder. Um, as I sort of mentioned, we don't really know what the finals will look like now. We, it could be the same, it could be different. I'll that run has, through the. There have been rumours of different structures and that sort of thing that we have caught wind of in the last yep. week or so. So we're not exactly sure where that sits. But yeah, go through yeah. it. Yeah. I'll go through just the full ladder and we'll leave the Metro Country ones. But Sandy on top with 36, Tassie Rebels and Northern with 32, Calder Geelon Eastern on 28, Gippsland on 24, Bendigo Dandenong on 20, Western on 16 and Oakley and Murray on 12. So it's 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 a predominant country ladder, actually. When you look at the two conferences, the country teams are doing much better. So it's interesting to, to see. But now... I'll let you lead this one. Uh, the 2023 national combine list came out. So you've got your national list and then uh, the state lists, which will obviously continue to be built on towards the end of the season. But I'll let you lead this. A few of the names, who who was mentioned, who wasn't mentioned, who was mentioned in state that wasn't national and will generate some discussion out of this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the, the big one on everyone's lips has been that Will Brown, who was probably seen as a first-round prospect as recently as about a month, six weeks ago, is has only received a state combine invite. And I guess it is important to say that, you know, it's it's probably the, the combine invites are important more so because they're indicative of the interest they're receiving than what they actually get, whether you're state combine, national combine. The only difference is obviously the 2K time trials that the national combine invitees get to run. But, yeah, it was very interesting to see that. We know his championships weren't probably at the level that we know he can produce. However, he was injured with the with the ankles that he was carrying. And he is one of very few inside mids in this draft class in terms of really big bodied inside mids, that 195 centimetre type who can also play a really strong role off half forward. So I'm really surprised to see him only in state. And I think if if he does fall, then whoever gets him is getting a bargain. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's interesting. His champs are obviously, they were hurt by his ankle injury, I feel like. He didn't really get to stand out probably he had a pretty good last game but he did it, it just wasn't probably what it was going to be built up to be for Will Brown yeah. Cam Nyko's one who made it into 
the national one, which when you compare the two we've just talked about, you'd probably switch it around. The champs for Nico just probably were, we didn't really see what he's done at talent league level. So it was an, it's a very interesting selection. So there's obviously yeah. still interest. Yeah, no. yeah, certainly. And it's good for him, I guess. That selection is probably one where he can sort of hold his hat on having the credits in the bank and what he produced last season as holding a lot of credibility. And we know how tough he is over the footy, but he probably hasn't shown it this season at Talent League or Champs level. But people are still satisfied with what they've seen and, and what they've seen over a, a longer period of time. I'll, I'll go from a Gippsland point of view now. Lockie Smith, I, I touched on before, so I won't repeat what I said, but that think the power were quite surprised based on how he has performed against some better better quality ruckman based in the opinions of recruiters that Lockie Smith wasn't invited to the combine and he's one that can certainly work into that but Will Dawson does get the invite and the interest has come directly off the back of his form playing as that defender and we know he doesn't have much experience there so Kudos to him. True Jack also won a little bit of a surprise nomination to to get invited to the to the combine uh, from Gippsland as well. The brother of Chunkworth Jack at Hawthorne. So they're the they're the Gippsland boys. I guess I guess Billy Wilson was one who surprised as well. If we're talking about players who were not invited to national only state, and he's again probably an example of not showing his best form at the national championships. So he didn't necessarily have the credits in the bank, didn't have the strong performances last year, unlike Nico, and had the really strong talent league form, but then wasn't able to carry that through when it mattered most. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it's still good to see him in that state position. It'll be yeah. good. Uh, we'll talk on a couple of Sandy boys. Now, Vigo Vicentini, great to see him. He's, he's one that we've loved watching. Matt Carroll had a really impressive chance. That's one that yep. definitely has reaped the rewards of his impressive performances. Tarkin O'Leary, very good. Very good to see. That is very good. Yeah, surprising based on I thought, you know, the size element might have hurt him. And, and we saw him play a very, very good game for Sandringham Zebras on the weekend, making his yeah, yep. AFL kicked a really impressive goal, which got a lot of airtime on social media. So, all the best to him, and yeah, good to see him invited. And Luke Lloyd, the other one, uh, yeah. so a dark horse, and we put him on the map last week by saying he was thereabouts in the top 20 Victorian slash Tasmanian prospects. If you haven't watched that video, go to the YouTube channel and give it a watch and give us your thoughts as well. But Luke Lloyd almost made it into my top 20, and yeah, gets rewarded for a really strong form in the last six or eight weeks since he's been back from that injury that did hamper his start to the season. So good to see him there. Caleb Windsor yeah. gets rewarded for the strong championships and so does James Leake. Heath Ollington invited to the state uh, combine. Yeah. Ari Shonmaker invited to the national combine. So good to see lots of Tasmanians around it as well as obviously the big three, Jack Cullen and Colby McCurch and Riley Sanders from down south. And they're, they're probably the main names to talk about if there was Maybe another one to mention that we've both liked watching is probably Moody Taha. I expected yeah. him to get invited. He's got good lateral movement, applies good pressure, and and probably just haven't seen enough of that outside game and him going forward and hitting the scoreboard perhaps, but he is tearing it up at the moment for Calder. I think he got 37 possessions last yeah. week. So, yeah, we have enjoyed watching him and be interesting to see what, what comes. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, he's, a, he's an electric player to watch. It's just can he give that extra bit more and... He gets his hands on the footy. It's just 
it's what's next. Can he provide an extra element to his game, which is still time to work on, but I, he, he should definitely get state recognition, I'd hope. I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't. So, interesting yeah, I, to see. I reckon he'll work his way into that as well. And, yeah, like yeah. you said, yeah, and maybe we've touched about in a roundabout way, but these players can still work their way into yeah. the state combine and national combine um, lists. It's dependent now on their form in the last part of the season. This is just a preliminary list. All those players will get invited, but there will be some more that will be added. But now I'll move on to a little bit of girls' footy. The Tassie Devils had a couple of players represent and represent really well in a difficult loss for the Allies to Queensland. The Allies went down 4-125 to Queensland, 15-7-97. Queensland won each of the four quarters with the Allies only able to put a goal on the board in each quarter. And Mackenzie Williams was one who was perhaps most impressive on the day for the Allies. She's a key defender out of the Apple Isle and she she performed really well under duress. Like we say, Queensland had most of the running, but her decision-making and understanding of that role is something that really impressed people who watched the game and the ability to shut down, come off, help out her opponent, but then also had some really good moments where she was able to take intercept marks and showed her strength overhead. Took four marks for the day, which doesn't necessarily jump off the page, but it was a team high four marks and 16 disposals as well, which probably tells you how much the ball was living down there. She's averaging 19 disposals, five marks and four rebound 50s for the Devils through the talent league season. It's been a really consistent season for her. Those are all team high numbers for the Devils and she also got lots of exposure last year. So probably one that we haven't touched on as much as we could have from a Tassie Devils point of view, but she does often shut down opposition forwards and does it really well. And she's got that offensive flair to her game, which she showed on the weekend. So good to see her going well. And Candace Balbin is one that we have enjoyed watching on this podcast. She stood up to body contact first through tackles, five clearances, nine tackles, three inside fifties, usual productivity from her, her work rate stood out. So yeah, good to see a couple of those girls stand out despite the difficult day it was for the allies. And this week, the national championships match to watch is the Vic Metro versus Vic Country game, and that's going to be at Trevor Barker Oval. And we'll run through a few of the players we're looking forward to watching there. I'll throw to you, Nathan. Uh, maybe if you want to start with a couple of Vic Country girls you're looking forward to watching. Vic Metro, you said, right? Okay, I'll start, I'll start with Country, but. Yeah, we'll go from the top here. But Ali Simmons, one you love watching, actually. Dandy on Prospect 06 born. She's been great in the ruck, but she's just electric. She gets the ball and she's able to provide that running carry. Tyler Crabtree had a very good game against Queensland, and it will be interesting to see if she can build on that. They'll have a lot of eyes on this game, I can only assume, being the big Vic game. Amber Shoot, she was pretty she was pretty impressive in that Queensland game as well. She provided some really nice run. Across, along the winds as well. And then Chantal Mason, I think this is a game. I mean, this is the game for her. She needs to have a big one. I feel like she was had her moments against Queensland, but it just wasn't. It never really happened. Lila Keck, we know the energy she provides inside forward 50 is that small forward, but she can go into the midfield rotation. So interesting to see if they will make that change. I feel like she was another one a little bit like Chantal Mason that probably had those almost moments. Yeah, there. yeah board in that last game that Vic Country played, but yeah, wasn't quite able to put it all together. And Meg Robertson, one who yep. we've seen how consistent she's been, Dandy Nong, didn't necessarily show her traits as well as she would have liked in that um, last Vic Country game. So we'll be looking to bounce back. And, and her teammate, Michaela Williamson, has been one who's been strong yeah. and did her traits in that last game. So 
she'll be looking to carry that form on Michaela Williamson. And we'll move on to some players from Vic Metro now. Laura Stones had a had a pretty strong carnival, so the Eastern Rangers defender will be hoping to carry that form on. Ava Campbell as well will be looking to probably have that statement performance. We've seen bits and parts from her, but she doesn't necessarily really stand for authority on a game as that rebounding defender. She'll be looking to do that. Gemma Ragoni, we know how much speed she's got. She'll be looking to carry that form forward. Kaylee Kavanagh in the midfield has all aspects of the game covered, and we know how how well she's she's able to to cover the ground, get contest to contest, and get her hands on the footy. Uh, and Emma McDonald probably is the key forward from Oakley. Will she get another opportunity? Obviously, a bottom major and played really well in that first game for Vic Metro. So interesting to see if they give her another run. Uh, Nate, maybe if you want to run through a few of the Sandy girls who I know you're you're very well across, yeah. who who certainly impressed in some of those first couple of matches. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can just back it up and, and make it a strong carnival rather than just yeah. a strong match or a strong couple of matches. Well, it is a the home game type champs game for them in terms of playing at Trevor Barker, so a bit of familiarity. Uh, Emily Goff is one that has she came to the champs in such hot form, and I think she's continued that. She usually plays her role in the win, but she did get moved to the half back role in attempt to see if she would be able to hold that position in in the Metro side, and she has done that really well, and she performed really well, especially up in Queensland against the Allies. I guess against South Australia, a lot of them struggled. It was a pretty tough yeah. uh, South Aussie just stacked. That was unbelievable to watch mm-hmm. them play. And then Isabel Bacon is the other one that I've really, I think, has gone really underrated in this championship so far. She's performed extremely well. Just uses the ball really well and gets around the contest and moves really nicely. Doesn't over overdo it with her ball usage, but uses it really nicely. So yeah, she's been one that, two, well, two of them that I think have been really fun to watch. So, uh, this is the last game for Metro as well. Country played WA one more time, but I think both are, I don't think either can win it unless I think SA won all their games. So this is uh, for state pride now. So Yeah, yeah, certainly. But uh, Who's your tip? What's that? My tip my tip your will tip. be Metro. I think they're they're just they're just deeper across the board. Uh, I think they'll just prove too talented, but hopefully country can put up a good fight. Yeah. Uh, I Probably have to agree, but I think it'll be interesting. That's always a, it's got a bit in it. These type of games, so be interesting that, to see how it goes. That's the that's the main game this weekend. There is no boys yeah. talent. They take a week off before their last couple of rounds, and then we get into finals. As we know, what that system looks like is still up in the air. The yeah. girls will be back from a talent league perspective in a couple of weeks as well after after this game. But that'll just about do us for this episode. Yeah haven't checked us out on instagram then check us out because we've got lots of lots of interesting content floating around we've got lots of video features and lots of other things as well check us out on twitter check us out on spotify or wherever you get your podcast craft of the draft cotd thanks for tuning in and for now that's all we've got time for